You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong, believe, and be renewed along the way. Summer has officially begun. Yes, this week was the official beginning of summer. Of course, here, you know, in Louisiana, we're in we're in summer like a lot longer than the official summer and we're in these 100 degree days and it is hot and during the summer uh um, our you know the boys are home from school you know our two youngest are in school and they're they're home on summer break and they're home all day and of course you know i i I work from the home office and so i'm home working from home trying to work from home and the boys are home and they come and you know and 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 as kids do and have questions to ask and the, the most asked question is dad can I have a snack? <laughs> That's the most asked question. And uh, think about the frequently asked questions that we have in life. Like, what what question are you asked the most frequently? Like, if you would say, what is a question you get asked more than anything else? What would it be? We all have questions, don't we? Questions about life. Is, is there a God? Do heaven and hell exist? Why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? <laughs> Who let the dogs out? These are questions that we all have. Awaken church... It's a community of faith where you can belong regardless of what questions you have. So so we asked for real questions from real people, and we're spending some time addressing them on our Sundays together for the next uh, several weeks. And here's, here's why we believe this is important. Seeking answers to our questions about faith, life, and God leads us to renew our hearts and minds to become more like Jesus. And so today's questions are, does God really punish people and does faith alone get you into heaven? So those are two great questions. We're going to wrestle with those today as we look at this this story from Jesus' life from Matthew 25. So I'd encourage you to grab a Bible or open up your Bible app right now and go to Matthew chapter 25 as we look at does God really punish people and does faith alone get you into heaven? So setting the scene here, Matthew 25, Jesus was at one of his favorite spots. He wanted you know, he, he had all these different spots where he liked to go and think and pray. This spot, it's, it's called the Mount of Olives, I guess because they grew a lot of olives on this particular mountain. <laughs> so his disciples come and they begin asking questions, like, like questions like we're wrestling with today. You know, when will the end come? When will, when will your kingdom come? These kind of questions about heaven, about hell, about faith. And so what we have is actually here more of a private lesson for Jesus' crew than like a public sermon with crowds. But still, we're going to find that he has some things for us today in this passage. So Matthew 25, I'm going to begin in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Now pause real quick. Jesus refers to himself as Son of Man. It's kind of a title, a title he he uses because it was kind of a metaphor from one of the prophets for uh like 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 the, the messenger from God, or the anointed one from God, or Messiah. Verse 32 All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the kingdom for the cre- from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and, and, and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to these on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So these words of Jesus recorded by Matthew uh, are going to be kind of our, our text today as we, as we dig in with this big idea. True faith isn't based on punishment or, or rewards, but love. If we're talking about the, like, real faith in Jesus, real faith in God. True faith isn't based on punishment or rewards, but love. So, so let's talk about heaven and hell. Like, how, how would you describe heaven? You might think of immediately pearly gates, streets of gold, right? Clouds, like you walk, like, like it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times people talking about, like, uh, you, you walk around on clouds and God is there and God's like this grandpa with a beard or like Gandalf, the gray with the, the, the long beard. And uh, we have this, this image of heaven, right? We all have kind of given to us over the years. You may have a different image. Um, what about hell? How would you describe hell? Most of us, most of us think of fire, right? Like fire, flames, um, just just hot, evil thinking, feeling, right? Um, but I'm here to tell you, when we think about heaven and hell, I'm here to tell you there's something else. The afterlife. <laughs> the words heaven and hell are found numerous times throughout the scriptures. So, for instance, Psalm 11.4 says, The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. And then in Luke 10.20 it says, uh, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus says, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we see the idea of heaven in both what we call the Old Testament and New Testament. So, so the Bible, the scriptures were written in Hebrew and Greek. What we call Old Testament, written predominantly in Hebrew. What we call New Testament, predominantly in Greek. So, so how do these words that translate into English, uh, heaven, and then we'll talk about hell, but do they, think, do they mean what we think they mean? If we think of heaven as this place of golden streets and, and, and pearly gates and, and that kind of thing, is that the image that really comes from Scripture? So heaven in Hebrew is the word shaman. Shaman. It means, it means the invisible sky. Like it literally means the sky, like the, the visible sky. I'm sorry, I think I said invisible, but the visible sky, like you can see the sky. Like you look up the vastness of the sky. That's shaman. That's heaven. And, and, and the, the word is used metaphorically to mean lifted because you have to lift your head to look up at the sky. So, so Shema, which is translates as, as uh, heaven when we read it in, in our Old Testament because it's the Hebrew word, it means literal sky. Metaphorically, it means lifted, okay? So that's heaven. In Greek, which would be our New Testament-like uh, uh, word, heaven is orenos. Uranos, it also means sky. It's the same thing as Shema. It means the sky. You look up, you see the vastness of the sky. And this word is used often to imply joy, 
to imply power, to imply eternity. In other words, to look up at the sky, there's a joy. To look up at the sky, it's like there's, there's something... It's something bigger than you. It's more powerful than, than you. Eternity, like how how vast is the sky? Can you see the end of the beginning? No, you really can't. It's so so. That's what the word uh, metaphor uh, implies when we think about it in the New Testament. So the idea of heaven isn't so much about somewhere else, sometime in the future, but how big and amazing and awesome and indescribable God is. Where where can you go where there's no sky? God is, God is too big to be confined to any place indoors. As, as heaven refers to the place God lives, we can understand this to mean where God is. It's, like it's not a place where God lives. It's, it's where God is. And, and where God is, there is joy and strength, and we can be lifted. And, 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 and it won't come to an end even when this physical life comes to an end. That's heaven. It's the presence of God. Is there an eternity aspect to it? Absolutely. But it's about here and now, the place where God is, and God is with us. So we can do the same thing with this word hell. Let's let's look at it. It gets interesting because the Hebrew word that translates as hell is sheol. And sheol means the grave, or the place of the dead. And so because it, it's, it literally means the grave, or place of the dead, uh, this, for this reason, it's in most modern translations of the Bible, you don't find the word hell in the Old Testament. This isn't because anyone's trying to erase hell from the Bible, but because literally the word means the grave, not a place of punishment. So the implication is, you know, the word sheol, the implication is lifelessness and despair of going to a place where there is no sky. It's the place, it's the grave, it's the underworld. There is no sky. In other words, separation from God. If God is, is, is equated, the presence of God equated to the vastness of the sky or the heavens, then Sheol, the place of the grave or the place, the, the underneath, the place of the dead, it's a place. It's a place of separation from God. It, it's, it means separate. There's lifelessness and despair in this word. But when we get to the New Testament, where we use Greek, it gets a little more interesting because there's actually three words that gets translated as hell in English. Three Greek words that all, when we translate them into English, become hell. The one is Hades, and you probably are familiar with Hades, and you probably probably assume. Uh, when you see the, you know, think about the word in the Bible, Hades, uh, the word hell in the Bible, it's Hades. Because Hades refers to this, actually this Greek god of the underworld and his realm. It's like the Greek god of the underworld and the place where this Greek god uh, would, would like rule. The unseen places, okay? It's, it's very similar to Sheol because it symbolizes the place or the state of the unseen. It's like it's, it's, you, you, you're no longer seen anymore. You're separated. And that's one word. And it's one Greek word for hell. The other, uh, then there's this word Tataro. Tataro, and I, I don't really know how to pronounce that, so sorry. But it's, it basically means a supernatural dungeon of eternal torment. Like that's what there's a Tartario. It means a, a supernatural dungeon of eternal torment. And you think, oh, that sounds like hell. Well, this word is only found in 2 Peter. One place in all the scripture, this word is found. 2 Peter 2.4 says, For God did not even spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell, Tartario, in gloomy pits of darkness, where they are being held until the day of judgment. That's the description of the, the eternal dungeon of torment. It's in this verse right here. 
Now, the third Greek word that translates as hell is this word that Jesus used. When Jesus, anytime you see that Jesus referred to hell in, in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it's this word, Gehenna. And this is actually a physical location called the Valley of Hinnom. It's located below the southern wall of ancient Jerusalem. This is a place where worshipers, worshipers of an ancient god called Molech had sacrificed children. It's like if you read the New Testament, some of the some of the 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 the, the, the story of the prophets and stuff. Some of the the people of Israel and Judah were actually sacrificing their children in this place, Valley of Hinnom, Gehenna. It's basically a large garbage dump. At the time of Jesus, where there's, see, you know, the, the legend is that, that, that there's fires that burned all the time, and there's actually a germal, geothermal feature called a lake of fire. Like there was actually like a lava pit or something, you know, kind of like uh, maybe some of the hot, hot things that we find in, in Yellowstone National Park. You know, this geothermal feature called the lake of fire. But the bottom line that Jesus is trying to get to is you don't want to go there. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Gehenna. Nobody likes to go to the Valley of Hinnom. It's, it's not a good place. Jesus does what Jesus does. He takes something very familiar with the people and he uses it to figuratively describe a place and a state of everlasting separation that isn't meant for you and isn't meant for me, and you don't want to go there. Hopefully, hopefully all of this is helpful in us kind of addressing these questions. First one, does God really punish people? Does God really punish people? You probably know what it means, what it feels like to be punished or to have to have to uh, administer punishment. Maybe if you're a parent, for sure. Hopefully, you you know what that's like. Um, Shelly's my wife. Shelly's mom was very creative in her punishment. Shelly has these stories about how her mom would punish him. My favorite one was like Shelly when she was a little girl loved to stand on her head. And for some reason, this annoyed her mom. I don't know if she was like doing it in front of the TV or what, but 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 Shelly would say she says she would stand on her head, and her mom would tell her, "You stop it, stop, you know, stop doing that." And Shelly didn't stop it. So Shelly made or her mom made her stand on her head for like an hour, like go in the corner and stand on your head <laughs> as punishment. You want to stand on your head for as punishment? Uh, what's like the, what's the, what's the point of punishment? Right? What is the point of it? The, the hope of, of punishment is, the hope is to change behavior or attitude, leading to actions and words as they are supposed to be, right? Like correction. Correction is the goal. So we may hear words like, well, God, God will send you to hell. But one of the most beautiful pictures we have of God in the Bible is the God who is both justice and mercy. You know, God's going to send you to hell. Well, God is justice and God is mercy. He's justice and mercy. Look at, well, let's look at this. 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, his promise to come back, his promise to return, his promise to redeem his people. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not, anyone, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. That's 2 Peter 3.9. God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But let's look back at our story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. Let's get into this. Jesus says, if you don't love your neighbor, you're an old goat. <laughs> he uses this metaphor of sheep and goats. And the people then would have understood that better than we do, at least definitely better than I do. I'm not a, I'm not a shepherd. I've never raised sheep or goats. But, but I kind of understand from studying and reading historically what he's talking about here. And when he, when, he, when he comes back, all the old goats get told away with you into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons and they will go away into eternal punishment. He tells them, if you are like this goat, the ones he calls the goats, and he, te- he, he, he like lines it out. He says, you'll go away into this eternal fire, Gehenna, 
which is prepared for the devil and his demons. It's not prepared for you, but you're, but you're going there. You're choosing to go there. It's, and it's an eternal punishment. So let's look at hell here. Let's look at it. Hell is separation. Jesus says, away with you. Away with you. That's separation. He's sending them away. He says, uh, well, hell is, hell, hell is also selfishness. Hell is separation, but hell is also selfishness. Jesus says, you refuse to help the least of these. You didn't share what you had. You didn't, you didn't care. You didn't show compassion. You didn't show mercy. You weren't just in how you treated people. You refuse to help the least of these because of your selfishness. That's hell. And hell is suffering like you've never experienced. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. But that's what it is according to way you to understand this. Jesus says they will go into eternal fire. The imagery of it is of suffering like you've never experienced. Hell happens. For some, life is hell. Some have been going through hell. Some are going through hell this week because of things that are happening in our culture and in our country. And Jesus says it doesn't have to be this way. For some, hell will be an eternal place in a state of suffering and separation. And I don't know if it's literally a place where you experience your flesh on fire for eternity, but that's not the point anyway. That's the metaphor Jesus uses to say it's worse than you can imagine, and you really do not want to go there, and you don't have to. It's not designed for you. It's a created place, and it's not created for you. You don't have to choose to go there, but we get to choose. That's the thing. This is the story from the beginning. You and I get to choose. God wants us to choose Him. And the only way to truly choose God is to choose Him His way. But He doesn't force us. He won't, because God is love, and love always involves a choice and the freedom to choose which direction we take. So the reality is, We can choose to punish ourselves. Does God really punish people? Does God really send people to hell? The answer to that is we can choose to punish ourselves. Only you can send yourself to hell. But know this, that's against God's will. God's will is not that you go to hell. God's God's will is not. God's God's desire, as we read in, in 2 Peter, is that none would be destroyed. God loves you and wants you to love him. Put your faith in him. And this faith, true faith, isn't based on punishment or rewards, but love. So, is faith enough? Is faith enough? I mean, that's the question that was asked. Is faith alone enough to get me to heaven? In other words, can I just believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that's it? Well, I think of the words of the uh, 20th century poet, George Michael, who said, you got to have faith. <laughs> Does faith alone get you into heaven? That's a great question. And it's actually de- a deeply theological one. One I don't know that we'll do justice in the next few minutes here, but we're going to try. Have you ever heard someone say, I hate religion? Well, here's why. Religion is a man-made way to please God by doing the right things or keeping specific holy days, or making the appropriate sacrifice. To, to bottom line it, this is because the view is that you have to earn God's love. The, the reason we feel negativity towards religion like this is because we weren't created to earn God's love. Or to put it another way, we weren't created to earn heaven. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So faith isn't simply something you believe in your head or feel in your heart. Faith is only true faith when it's lived out. So the question is faith enough, like can I, can I just have faith and not do anything? The, the, the understanding from Scripture is there is no such thing as faith that doesn't do anything. Faith is only true faith when, it, when, when it's lived out. The things we do don't save us, but God's love, but because of God's love, we put our faith in Him, which impacts what we do. Do you get that? The things that we do, they don't save us. We don't earn our way to heaven. We don't earn God's love. But because of God's love, we put our faith in him, and that impacts what we do. James 3.17 says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So, so Jesus' desire is that you have life now and forever. That's the point of faith, with God, or, or as the scripture described, in heaven. <laughs> we see that in our Matthew 25 story. Heaven is being connected. Jesus says to the sheep, right? Come. You're connected. Come. Come. Heaven is community. Jesus says you will inherit the kingdom of God's love. You will inherit the kingdom of God. How do you inherit it? Because you're part of this community. You're part of the family. And heaven is creativity. Jesus says what you do for others, you do for me. When you create these you can call them heaven moments. You can call them heaven on earth moments. When you create these moments, when you create an atmosphere of love, what you're doing is you are creating God moments and your love shows. You create God moments when your love shows. Let's be people who let this love show. So to answer those questions, Again, true faith isn't based on punishment or rewards, but love. And that's why I have faith in God. I, and I pray it shows in the way I treat others. And when I, when I'm, when I miss the mark, I pray that I'm able to uh, correct that, repent, and, and correct it. Because I've experienced the God who loves you just as you are. And I've experienced the God who loves you too much to leave you there. So take this next step. Put your faith into action. And find ways this week to bring heaven to earth for someone else. Find ways this week to live out what, what, what Jesus describes to the, the, as the sheep in his parable. That we would find ourselves ones who he says, come. You will inherit the kingdom of God's love. What you do for me, what you do for others, you do for me. Come and be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you've been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.